So I know I joked about how Thanksgiving is pretty much something that we just blow over, we go right to Christmas, right? But Thanksgiving is coming, ready or not. For those of us that have tried to, to be healthy all year long, this is where the rubber meets the road. It's time to loosen the belt because we're about ready to eat. That's what we do well in this country. Yeah, Hua, you're right. And so what came to me is I was trying to seek God for a one-time message before I get into a brand new series and then, of course, getting into Christmas, is we as believers, we as Christians, we need to know how to give God thanks well. Amen? And we have a lot to be thankful for in this country. Now, we just give thanks for our vets. We thank God for our vets because without them, we wouldn't have the freedoms we have today. We live, I believe, in the greatest country in the world. So you wake up, good old America, right? You wake up breathing the air of the free, stepping on the ground. It's the home of the brave, right? We have a lot to be thankful for for living in this country. And then, of course, the air, right? We have air to breathe, right? So we're alive. I mean, at least I think you all are. Like you're here this morning, right, and you're breathing. So you should be giving God thanks for life itself. But also, as I'm looking around the room here, you know, a lot of you are sitting with your families. A lot of you have your spouses and your kids sitting next to you. You look to your left and to your right. There's something to be thankful for. Now, I know in some cases, your wife and your kids can be kind of ornery, and so it's kind of hard, right? But you should still give thanks to God for the fact that you've got people around you that love you. But there's a problem. I, I think ultimately what happens is Life situations tend to, to, to hinder our thankfulness to God, right? Like, if life is really good, and I've been there, and I admit it, life is so good that sometimes you forget about God because things are just clicking, right? Things are going well. I mean, I hope there's some people in here that probably are experiencing that right now. And there are seasons when, when everything does tend to work out. And when that happens, what happens with your prayer time, right? I just got through talking about it last three weeks, that our, our spiritual rest starts to suffer because things are going so well for us, which really makes the point that I'm about to make is that when things are going bad, then that's when we tend to focus our time in prayer with God. So on the flip side of that, when things are going bad, like we go to God and we pray and we pray and we pray. We ask him to deliver us. We ask him to heal us. We ask him for the need, whatever it is. And then as time goes on and the trial tends to continue on and wanes, then going to God and thanking him is something that we don't do. We usually make our life situation be dependent on whether or not we give him thanks. And we give him thanks well. And this is what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And this is the verse that has been hammering me over the last couple weeks. He says in chapter 5, verse 18, he says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, I love this verse. Please keep it on the screen behind me because this verse is what I believe we need to live and die on as believers. We do. It, this is not an option, right? This is a command. Paul is saying, give thanks in all circumstances. Good, bad, meh, 
all circumstances. And it's not even if you feel like it. More so, I would say, if you don't feel like it, you should still do it. He says, all circumstances. And why? Because this is God's will. In other words, this is what he wants. Yeah, he's God, and he deserves all the thanks, no matter what it is we're going through down here on this cursed earth. And it's, who is it for the will for? It's, it's the will of God that's for us that are in Christ, those of us that are believers. And I believe and I hope and pray that's everybody in this room, and if not, then we're going to change that by the end of service. Amen? Amen? But we are to give thanks always. This praise, this thanksgiving, this pray without ceasing, this, this is our heart cry. And I think, honestly, one of the most mature things we can do spiritually as a believer is give God thanks well, no matter what the situation. There's something powerful about that, right? And so with that, I want to go ahead and pray. So, Father, I just want to thank you right now. Just thank you for everybody that's in here today. I just thank you for the words that you have given me to speak this morning. I thank you that the words that come out of my mouth are from you, that everything that needs to be said is going to be said today, and that we as a church, when we receive this word today from you, that we will leave here with a heart of thankfulness, a heart of gratitude, and that when we go to prayer, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to give thanks for you no matter what it is that's going on in our life. And Father, I just pray this right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So in my life, as I've kind of hinted, there's been times in my life where things have been going really, really well. Like everything's banging, right? Everything's just doing so well. And I'm loving life. And, and I've been there where everything just seems very euphoric, right? You get that sense of euphoria. I mean, how many people have been there where everything's working out in their life? I mean, I mean hopefully some of you have had that experience. And if not, then I'll pray for you. <laughs> and, and I think there's this false sense that as believers, that that's the way it's going to be all the way through into the day we die. And that's obviously not the case, right? That is not the case because God promises trials, tribulations, things are going to come our way. Um, we're promised to suffer. Yes, there's times that we will suffer. Um, so I've gone through the times where everything seems to work out. I've also gone through the times where there's been some suffering, some degree of suffering, maybe a little bit of suffering, maybe a lot of suffering. And I'm going through a little bit of suffering right now. I've got some pain in my body. I've, I've, I've mentioned that over the last few weeks of some things I've been going through. Um, and it's really hard at that point for me to give thanks because what I'm focused on is my pain. What I'm focused on is the bad things that are going on in my life. And so what happens is I become like a child of Israel, somebody who's complaining that the manna is, is, is nasty and I want some quail, right? And so what ends up happening is I'm complaining, complaining, is I remain in the wilderness. And how many of us right now are in a wilderness season? You don't have to raise your hand. Maybe it's because we're still in that season because our minds are focused on that season, but our hearts are not focused on Jesus. Our hearts are not focused on giving him thanks and say we're complaining all the time. And because of that, in my own life, I'll see what God is working on is, Jeff, quit complaining and just praise me. Quit complaining about your pain and just praise me. Quit having your mind on the things on this earth and have your minds on the things that are above. And that, that's hard, right? It takes like major discipline to do that because all you're focusing on is the crud that's going on in your life. 
And I think it's funny how we say things like, Lord, if you would just take this away, then I will praise you. <laughs> and that's when God sits up there and laughs, right? He's looking down at you like, yep, maybe you praise me before I take it away. Because that requires faith, and faith is what pleases me. <laughs> I mean, I know we aim in it all day, man, and, and, and I do too. And, and that's something that I think God in this season is working on with me is just praise me. Praise me that there are empty seats in this auditorium. I'm, I'm admitting that to you. I want to see more rear ends in these chairs. I do, right? But you know what these empty seats represent? Opportunities. Opportunities for all of us, not just me, but for all of us to bring people here to church to fill this place up. So maybe I should start praising God for the empty seats. And that's hard. Because in my mind, a full church is something that I want to praise him for. But what he's saying is, there's an empty church in here that needs to be filled. Praise me for that. Amen. Which means there's people that need to hear the gospel and be saved. Praise me for that. So there you go. So maybe you're sitting in here today and you're thinking, there is nothing that I can praise God for. Okay, yeah, the country. Yeah, our vets. Yeah, my breath. <laughs> yeah, hopefully my family and friends are sitting around me. But my life situation kind of stinks right now. And right now, I just don't want to give him praise. Well, guess what? The one thing that we can praise him for is this. And I'm going to read to you Isaiah chapter 12. If you're in your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 12. This is what Isaiah writes. You will say in that day. He's prophesying to us. We will say in that day, and what day is that? That day is that you will say, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. Why? For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. I love this because for those of us that are in Christ, that are supposed to give God thanks in all circumstances, we can give thanks because he was once angry with us before we knew Jesus, and now because we know Jesus, now his anger has turned away. His wrath is no longer upon me. That is worth praising God for. He says in verse 2, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Jesus is my salvation. Man, I should praise him for that. He says in verse 3, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. That's one way. Make known his deeds among the people. That's two ways. Proclaim that his name is exalted. That's three. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. There's four. Let this be made known in all the earth, this good news of Jesus. That's five. And number six is shout and sing for joy. O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. And he is here in our midst right now. Amen. He is. Yes. Yes. There is so much to give thanks to God for because of Jesus. And those six ways that I just mentioned, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, proclaim his name and exalt him, sing praises to him, 
let this good news be known in all the earth and shout and sing for joy. There's plenty of ways and opportunities that we can praise God for Jesus. The fact his wrath has turned away from us because we're in Christ and he no longer looks at us as sinners. For that sin, we deserve death. But now he looks at us as he would look at Jesus. That we are saved and that we are his children. And we should praise God for that, amen? So what I want to do now is turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, because what I want to identify is the problem. Is the problem of what gets in our way of giving God thanks. And as I was going through this part of Luke chapter 17, I'm going to talk about the ten lepers this morning. And some of us are familiar with that story. But as I was going through it, I was like, you know what? Why do we not give thanks well as the church? And I think this is a heart question for all of us. I don't want to just cast a a net over everybody and say, you're not giving God thanks well. What's wrong with you? I'm saying that in my own life, as I search my heart, I really don't. And I need to get better at that. Not that it's something I'm checking a box on, but just knowing that I owe so much more to Jesus than I'm giving him right now when it comes to giving him thanks. So this is a hard question for all of you in here today is, am I giving thanks to God well? And I'm going to identify what I think is the main problem that I think is going to cause a lot of you to get uncomfortable, and that's okay, because it got me uncomfortable when God revealed this to me. So beginning in verse 11, verse 11 in Luke chapter 17, if you want to turn there, I also have my notes in version on the Bible app. If you want to turn there, you can under the events tab, you'll find home church, and there you'll find my notes. Verse 11, before Jesus cleanses the ten lepers, there was a very important part that happened before he left on his way to Jerusalem. And this is when the disciples said to Lord, increase my faith, increase our faith. And Jesus said, if you had the faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Mustard seed faith. And I think it's really cool because he says this and then he begins to go on his way to Jerusalem, beginning in verse 11, where I'm going to pick up, and we're going to see this mustard seed faith exemplified. And I think that mustard seed faith is something that we can exemplify too, even when we don't feel it, even when we come here with nothing, and we really don't feel like praising Jesus, that if we had that mustard seed faith, and we just lift our hands, and we lift our voices, even though we don't feel like it, then what it is that we're looking for is going to take place. So in verse 11, we'll begin, on the way To Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And who's on the way? Well, it's Jesus and the twelve that are on their way to Jerusalem. Jesus is going to Jerusalem for one reason alone, to be crucified. At this point in Luke, he's headed to Jerusalem to die for our sins. And he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And what is Samaria? Well, Samaria is a portion of of territory that belongs to the Samaritans. The Samaritans were people that were despised and rejected by the Jewish people. So that's where they lived, and the Jews at all costs would avoid Samaria, like the plague. Because stepping foot into Samaria would make you ceremonially unclean, ceremoniously unclean. So they would avoid it like the plague. 
And so they'd come down through and they'd go on their way to Jerusalem and they'd basically be on the east side of the Jordan River to avoid it. And that's where Jesus and his disciples were traveling. And the Samaritans, the reason why they were despised is because they basically were kind of these, these outcasts, these people that were considered to be half Jewish and half Gentile. And then therefore they would also uh, worship in this, this religion that was different where it was kind of a mixture of Jewish and paganism. And so they were just looked upon as being just bad people. And so they would avoid them like the plague. And so as the 12 and Jesus were moving along, they get to Jerusalem. They were passing between Samaria and Galilee. Verse 12, and as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. Now, what I like to do is I love, and I've said this before, I love to read accounts in the Bible and then in my mind pretend like it's a movie. Like, visualize what is happening. And I can just see this dusty old village on the borderland between Samaria and Galilee. And here comes Jesus like Clint Eastwood walking into this town, Old West style, with his posse of 12. And there are 10 lepers facing them at the end of the street. 10 lepers. It's going to be a shootout between God and the devil. Guess who's going to win? <laughs> ten lepers. And so I was starting to, to look into ten. Why ten? Like, what's the significance of ten? Well, we see ten throughout the Bible, right? Ten commandments. Tithe, ten percent. The ten plagues, right? Jesus said, I am ten ways in the Bible throughout the Gospels. Now there is these ten lepers. The number 10 exemplifies God's authority. His authority, his command of the situation, his direction, his order, his protection. The number 10 is significant. So here we are, we see 10 lepers. They stood at a distance. So let me tell you something. Lepers they were the walking dead. They were, if you never believed in a zombie apocalypse, just look at a leper colony, okay? They were the walking dead. Leprosy was something to be feared. And leprosy, if, if, if you were somebody in those days and you had some kind of rash or, or infection on your skin or acne or anything, psoriasis, you name it, anything that came up on that skin, it would strike fear into people. Because if that turned into leprosy, then you were basically dead. You were dead men walking. You were socially unacceptable, and that's why they cast you out. So you died socially, and you were left to die physically. And in those days, leprosy was basically compared to your sin. Like, you must have done something wrong. Like, God struck you with leprosy. So, socially dead, spiritually dead, physically dead. So, these lepers, they had guts to come out of their colony, to come into the city, in this village, small village, to confront Jesus. And it says that they stood at a distance. The reason why it's, they stood at a distance is because, by law, they had to be at least six feet away. And if the wind was blowing, which in my vision, the wind was blowing, okay, 
In this, in this, in, in Jeff's version, they had to be at least 150 feet away because the wind blowing could potentially bring that disease to people that were otherwise clean. So these 10 lepers stood at a distance, verse 13, and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. They lifted up their voices. They called upon the name of Jesus. Those who call upon the name of Jesus are what? They are saved. That's what they did. They lifted up their voices. When everything looked impossible, socially, spiritually, physically dead, left to die, they had the faith to call upon his name. And I love this because we, as believers, do this part really well. When things come our way and we can't handle it, then we call upon Jesus. And that's what we should do. That's what we should do, right? We do that really, really well. And their voices said, Jesus, Master. So there you go. The number 10 coming to life. They knew Jesus had command and authority over leprosy, over any disease. The stories have gotten to them that he healed all the sick, that he had compassion on everyone and healed them all. They knew that he had authority over anything that afflicted people, even leprosy. So their faith was there. And I think we're good at that too as charismatic believers. That not only do we call on Jesus when we need him, but we really believe that he's going to come through for us. He, they said, have mercy on us. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. He saw them. And I've said this before in here, but I believe I need to say it again. We need to know that when we're going through stuff, Jesus sees you. He sees where you're at. He hears you in your private time in that secret place calling out his name. He sees that mustard seed faith in your heart. He said to them, take a step of faith and go and show yourself to the priest. And some of you in here have taken a major step because you've come here to this church and you're showing yourself, not to me, I'm not a priest, I'm a pastor, but you're showing yourself to him. You're showing yourself to those of us that are leading you in the faith. This action of go, and they did this. And as they went, they were cleansed. They were healed. Can you imagine that? What I've just told you was they are suffering physically. They are suffering spiritually in, in, in the Jewish tradition. They are suffering from lack of social interaction because they're outcast. They didn't get their healing until they turned and they started to go. And as they went, they were healed. Now, I don't know what it is that you're going through right now. I know God knows what you're going through. Whatever it is you're going through, picture this in your mind. You take a step of faith, and all of a sudden that situation is gone. It's gone. What would you do? What would you do? You would, would you, right? You would praise Jesus, right? I, I, hope, I really hope that you would. That's what we should do. 
And I think this is analogous to, to us being saved. That's what I'm saying. Even though it's really bad what you're going through, we should always offer up a sacrifice of praise because we were once like the lepers, right? Total outcasts in God's kingdom. And because of Jesus, all of a sudden now we're bridged back into his kingdom. We turned away from our sin and we went and we started to follow him. And now we belong to God's kingdom. So why why aren't praises on our lips all the time? Here we go. We're getting into the reason why. Verse 15. Then one of them, as I just said, why not all nine of them, one of them, when they were cleansed, he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks to him. One. Just one. So I sat on that for a minute. I was like, Lord, why just one? Why not all nine of them? Or all ten of them? The nine, I believe, represents the church today. I think we have gotten so used to God blessing us, so used to the idea that being children of God, we deserve his blessings, so used to the idea that that my life is good because I'm a believer and and God's just going to bless me, that we don't give him thanks, that there is, in a sense, I believe, a spirit of entitlement. And that's what came to me. That the nine didn't turn back are representative of us in some cases. Like if I were to search myself truly, search myself, my heart cry has been, Lord, can't you see that I'm trying to lead your church? That I'm trying to serve you? And why is it I'm still in pain? Like I deserve to be healed because I'm serving you. Come on. Now, how many of us have said that? I'm trying to follow you the best way I can, but this life situation in my life is happening. I deserve to be healed. I deserve to be set free. There's the spirit of entitlement. What's, what's entitlement? The definition, put it up on the screen. The definition, there it is. So entitlement is this, the belief that one is inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment. Now listen, I'll keep that definition up there. I'm all about understanding that I am blessed and highly favored. Matter of fact, I said that to Sam in the bathroom. Sam said that to me in the bathroom. I am blessed and highly favored. And I know we are. We're children of God. We are blessed and highly favored. I get that. But do we believe that we deserve it? To the point to where it keeps us from giving God thanks. The next part of the definition is a government program providing benefits to members of a special group. And let me tell you something. We as believers, we kind of walk around like we belong to a special group, don't we? And we treat God like somebody who's a program, like just gimme, gimme, gimme. Like we're really good on the whole ask and you shall receive thing. We're really good on that. But we need to be better at just giving him thanks. And I think we may not feel like we're entitled 
but I think our actions sometimes act like we are. We need to give thanks and we need to give it well and it's really quiet in here. So what did he do? How did the leper give thanks well? Well, he turned back to Jesus. He praised him with a loud voice. A loud voice praised him. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet. When's the last time we were on our knees before him? He gave him thanks. Goes on that now he was a Samaritan. The Samaritan part kind of grabbed me too because I'm looking at somebody here who was a total outcast. And now he is able, because he's completely healed, able to be near Jesus. Verse 17, Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? One of the things that separates us from the rest of the world is how we give thanks to God. That is one clear way that our witness is able to shine before other people. Like, I, I like watching, I really don't, but every now and then I'll tune into things like the Academy Awards or the Music Awards, the Grammys. And there are some people, and I believe they mean it, at least some of them mean it, where they say, I want to thank Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, for this award. I think that's awesome. I mean, that really separates you from the rest of the world when you give God praise publicly. But I also think people can feel when you have a thankful heart. There's just something different about people like that, right? Everybody else is griping at the water cooler, yet you got a smile on your face and you're just happy. The one thing that can separate us from the world more than anything that shines that light, the light that Jesus has given us that he said not to hide, is that spirit of thankfulness. Giving thanks to God well is so important. Because let me tell you something. I'm talking about this leper 2,000 years later in a church. His witness of praising Jesus and giving him thanks is still being talked about today. Verse 19, and he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Faith. Giving God thanks in the midst of whatever situation that we're in is a huge amount of faith. So that this leper, he didn't just leave physically whole. He also left, I believe, as a believer in Jesus spiritually whole. The benefit of us giving thanks well is a renewed spirit. If you are feeling down, if you're feeling like you're out of the game, if you're feeling like you can't go any further, if you feel like you have nothing to give, if you just give God praise, if you just thank him for the fact that he saved you, then you will get a renewed spirit. 
and it will allow you to keep moving on. Psalm 103, in conclusion. Are we learning anything today? Are you all still here this morning? Psalm 103. David wrote this psalm. David, who lost a son. David, who sinned tremendously against God, committing adultery, murdering his best friend. He wrote this song. Sometimes what happens is you got to tell yourself to praise Jesus. you got to tell yourself to do that. He says this, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do what? Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with the steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. How do we experience this? How do we experience his benefits, his forgiveness, his healing, his redemption, being pulled out of the pit, his steadfast love, being satisfied in him, is you bless the Lord. You give him thanks. You give him thanks in all circumstances. The most mature thing we can do, I believe, as a believer is give God thanks no matter what situation we find ourselves in. And the thing that separates us from the world is giving him thanks 